0: Up everybody! You're now at your favorite stop for all things sports, politics, and culture. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncy, a production of Thatcast Network.
1: Hey, now say now you're tuned into the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncy. We are here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, in the Pearl District at the Living the Dream Studios, yeah. and uh I don't got D Boy alongside me again today. I actually got a good friend of mine who. Some of you may be familiar with, some of you may not. He's been a guest here on this podcast before. Um, He's just coming to kind of hang out. Uh, his name is Spencer Shea. What's hey, going on what's with up, my man, Spencer up, Shea? Dog?
0: I'm coming to do more than hang out, bro. We're going to get into it today. Okay, man. On the all right. Up the wind podcast. <laughs> So I, you know, of course, you know me, I woke up this morning and the first thing I did was I started winning. So, okay. You know, all right. I'm okay. Okay. Today, I friend. see
1: what kind of night we going to have here. Say <laughs> hey now, now. say <laughs> hey now. Oh Lord. I see what kind of night we're going to oh, have here. Shoot. Now D-Boy is gone this week. He's on a camping trip right now. Um, I guess it's a birthday celebration think he's going camping for his birthday. He is a Leo. It's Leo season. His birthday isn't until August 21st, though, and it's only August 2nd. But you know how people (laughs) are when it comes to their birthdays. They feel like they got to celebrate it the whole month and who am I to hate? But I think that's kind of what he has going on there. So, D-Boy, have fun out there. Enjoy yourself. Spliff, you got big shoes to fill, but you're here to fill them.
0: Oh, I'm ready, bro.
1: But um, we got plenty of content we'll get into today. We'll You're a Portland Trailblazer fan. We're here in the city of Portland. CJ just got a nice deal, nice extension. So we'll get into a little bit of Blazers and NBA today. Um, You are also actually one of the better musical performers that I've ever seen, or vocalists especially. Thank you, bro. You're definitely a great music performer. You're somebody who I respect when it comes to your musical mind, your musical talent. And so... We're going to talk a little bit of music today, too, here on the podcast. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. I thoroughly (laughs) enjoy music myself. There's a lot of music that's recently been released. Yeah. And I kind of want to hear your take on that as well. And we'll talk about some other things, too. But I want to start off with something that I usually don't start off with. And quite frankly, I probably could be criticized for my lack of covering these types of things. And that is the four women on the Portland Thorns soccer team that were honored just two days ago on Wednesday, I believe it was. Wait, Wednesday this, are, these morning. The same,
0: are these the same uh, women uh, on the Thorns that also just won gold with the United same States? Same women. women. Holding it all the way down for USA? Same so, four women. I, I thought it was. I thought it was. You got, you, got, you got Tobin Heath.
1: You got Adriana French. You've got Lindsey Horan, and you also have Emily Sonnet. Uh. Those four women, they play for the Portland Thorns women's soccer team. They were also a part of the U.S. women's national team that just went out and won a World Cup in France. Many of you, I'm sure, have probably not only heard about the success that that team, that national team, had on the field, but also kind of the, 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 I don't even want to call it ruckus because that might be used in a negative light, but just kind of the disruption that they caused off the field that I think was a positive disruption. Sometimes you need disruptive behavior, especially – in certain climates, and I think those women did a beautiful job in disrupting the current climate that we have today by speaking their feast, by speaking their peace, excuse me, politically and kind of fighting for equal pay and right. actually having the action on the field and the results on the field to back yeah. up the disruption that they made off of the field. I admire them for that, honestly, using their platforms for being able to do so. So shout out to all the women that were on that team. But the reason in particular I want to shout out the women on the Thorns is because, for one, we're here. We live in Portland. For two, I was actually able to go to City Hall this past Wednesday when those four women were honored by the mayor, and they oh, actually wow. got the highest honor that you can get in City Hall. July 2019 is now considered Portland Thorns FC month. Uh thanks to those women nice. for sure they were the highlight and they were the four women that represented the thorns there but also the success that the Portland thorns have had across women's sports they've broken uh they've broken many viewership records they've broken oh, sure. several different records across women's sports as a whole so it is Portland thorns FC month nice. but in collaboration to what those four women were able to to participate in being able to go out and win a U.S. Women's Soccer so, uh, Soccer World Cup, they were the ones who were honored and celebrated on behalf of the Portland Thorns this past week. And so it was just really good to be able to be there, see all the support. Um, usually I'm actually in City Hall because I do a lot of political and social type of work here in the city. Um, I'm not a social worker by any means, but what I mean is I do a lot of political work and I cover a lot of social issues here in the city. Um and I'm you know, I got the Portland Street Response deal going on with Street Roots, and we're kind of helping propel that. And obviously I've talked about it here on this podcast, Mayor Ted Wheeler. Um, he he allotted a half a million dollars to Portland Street Response, which was something that was created via our journalism at Street Roots. So I'm in City Hall often meeting with the mayor's office meeting with city commissioners. I talked about kind of our connection with Joanne Hardesty on last episode. So usually when I'm at city hall, it's for my actual work and things that I have to do um, because that's the type of work that I do. But to be able to go to city hall and kind of witness and experience that history, see those women receive the highest honor amongst everything that they're going through off the field, fighting for equal pay all four of those women in particular are part of that lawsuit against FIFA that's fighting for equal pay. So to see them honored and respected at a political level, in a political type of environment, was really, was really, really dope. And who's to say? I might be interviewing one of those women here sooner or later. It's no guarantees. I don't want to put too much on it. But there's a possibility that I can end up interviewing one of those women here in the near future. So it was great for me, even from a journalist perspective to be able to kind of cover that and now i have that experience to be able to use as context if the time does come where i interview one two three or all four of those women so it was just a great experience and like i said i don't cover women's sports enough here on this podcast i think the biggest reason to that is because there's no women here Whoa! Shots <laughs> no, fired. No, it's no shots fired. I, it's joking. just on, me I'm and D Boy week to week. We're not women. No, yeah, you're <laughs> so right. So who are we to we? Got, and that's not to and say. Then you Got me on here. I'm just like, now. I got you, doing, another am am man here. Either, another man. Me. Maybe we got some to- toxic masculinity going on here well, that we need to call ourselves out on right about maybe now. That's but
0: real. And you know what? Maybe your listeners, Devon, they should call you out and give you some people to come on this pod. Some some women to come on this pod who are killing it in the game as so many of them are I'm not opposed let's, to that let's do it let's let's rally and let's get a bunch of women on dude you gotta you gotta you gotta come correct man. I'm not These opposed women to that
1: here are great I'm not opposed know. to that I Doing can definitely do better at it but 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 I'm not gonna just throw myself all the way under the bus here because I do still cover women's sports just in a different way I should cover women's sports more on this podcast For sure but Let's not forget, I am still an NCAA commentator, sure. color commentator, and I do it at the Division I level, and I also do it at the, the, the Division Three level at Pacific University, which is my alma mater. Mine too. Go boxers. Now, <laughs> now, when I do it at the Division I level, I only do men's basketball. A lot of that reason being when it comes to Division I basketball, especially in conference play, when the men are at home, the women are usually on the road. And vice versa, when the women are playing at home, the men are usually why, on the road. Why do they do that? Is it
0: scheduling or, I mean, is
1: logistics? I think uh, I don't know, actually. I mean, it, I think part of it is scheduling. Um, I think other parts of it is they just want to treat the game bigger because when you do more like Pacific University does, which I was just getting ready to get to, um, where the men and women, they play Back to back. So right. you got the women's game just as an example. You got the women's game at six PM and the men's game at eight PM. And that's where I was going to say I do cover women's basketball because when I commentate from Pacific University, I commentate the women's game the first game. and then the men's yeah. game. I don't just show up for the men's game. <laughs> well, like do you- I do both. But that does still feel kind of like high schoolish, like junior varsity sure. varsity sure. i think when it comes to i think when it comes to like the division 1 level a lot of it probably has to do more so with like tv deals because right. these games are televised right. now you're not going to te- you're not going to televise back to back the same two women's programs right. and the same two men's programs hmm. playing against each other you're going to be more selective when it comes to what games you want to televise at the division 1 level when it comes to men's yeah. and when it comes to women's so like for example, at Portland State, I commentate for television. Sure. Straight up for Pacific, it's live streaming. Sure. It's a complete difference. Right. Spots are different. Like it's just a live streaming of the game. Where for Portland State, we got commercial breaks. We got. We got more elements to the broadcast right. um, that comes into play right. than I do at Pacific University. Okay. So I think that's probably more or less sure. the reason why you kind of have the Division One level, which you will see more on television, having one team on the road and one team at home as opposed to both teams playing, playing on the same night back-to-back after each other. So. I'm going to give myself a little bit of credit as somebody that does cover women's sports. For sure. (laughs) I am going to give myself that credit, but I can challenge myself on this podcast that focuses on kind of that sports politics and culture and intersectionality. I can figure out a way to include women more. And that's also not to say that I haven't had great women as guests on this podcast before. I've had Malika Andrews on the very first podcast, the inaugural episode that we had. I had Malika Andrews, who you now pretty much see daily, if not, I mean, at least a couple times a week on ESPN. She's ripping it up You're going to see her at least a couple times a week on ESPN. You might see her consecutive days in a row on ESPN. So somebody like a Malika Andrews I've had on this podcast, Jessica Luther, she wrote a New York Times uh best selling book on college sports, college football in particular, and rape. And so, you know, with that, I've had her as a guest on this podcast, Jacqueline Keeler. She's talked about Native American masketry. She's from right here out of Portland. So I would, if I were y'all, go back and listen to those episodes because Seriously. I think they were great episodes, great episodes. But I can do better. You know
0: what? It's yeah, but it's not gonna be hard because with all of these great women that are out here doing awesome things right around us and everywhere in the world. You are going to have plenty of people to choose from. And I'm excited to see the episodes that are going to come with some of those ladies. It's going to be dope. And like I said, even if it's not
1: having those ladies on the podcast it's just covering women more because Mm. they deserve the coverage. And I'm not one of those people of the ilk that men's sports should only be covered because men are superior athletically to women Yo, and, I'm, I'm 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 deeper than that when yeah, it comes and, to well, and sports like you were saying you
0: were like you know that you, you know uh that these four uh women were honored at city hall excuse me sorry and um they just got done winning a uh, uh gold and that World was Cup. the whole criticism <laughs> that was the whole criticism of that entire team that whole week and, and the weeks leading up to it was you know how are they going to, quote, unquote, deal with media distraction while trying to, like, you know, advocate for the equal pay and the rights that they're out here trying to, you know, implement in our society while still competing at the very highest level yeah. ever in the world that's ever been seen? Because some people say that that was the best women's national team of all time, which they I'm inclined to shit. agree with. They and did that shit. And what did they shit. do? They came out and they and, like, it was nothing. They won the cup. They won the gold and then they're still coming around and they're right there, you know, s- standing tall and doing what, you know, they feel that they, they can. No distractions seem to be for sure. And I'm just like too
1: studious of sports and I have too much experience in the world of sports to be so shallow, not to say that there's value within women's sports. Like, yeah. I'm not that dude. I'm not, I would be entirely too shallow. And I probably shouldn't even be behind the microphone if I'm one of those guys that sit here and and, uh, argues or debates against women's sports and its value because men are, quote-unquote, superior athletically and because of what the market dictates for men's sports as opposed to women's sports. I'm a little bit better than that, (laughs) quite frankly. I'm a little bit better than that. Yeah, I mean, that's... So, it's just... I can find the gold. I can find the value in women's sports to support for one, the things that they're fighting for most importantly. And for two, just really just about any element of sports because I'm into it that much. And I know that the value does exist period.
0: (laughs) I'm just, I'm glad that it's getting better every day because there are people that are trying to, you know, get the people who do talk like that, uh, stop talking like that. Like, the WNBA All Star Game was just last week. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that I don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure it was like up there with one of the like most watched uh, All Star events for them. Yeah, in their history, which is awesome. You know? Timing is everything too. Dude, women is- women are on fire.
1: I guess it's a hot girl summer. <laughs> oh <yeah>. shit. <laughs> I'm not going to take it there. I'm uh, not going to take it there. Summer, huh? <laughs> oh, That's a no. whole other conversation yeah. that we can start having That's... here on this podcast. And I don't want to go on that much of a tangent just yet. Maybe we'll get there. Maybe we won't. Okay. But like I said, shout out to those women. It was great to be able to experience them, be honored. Um, really the highest honor that you can possibly get at City Hall here in the city of Portland. So cool. shout out to those amazing, talented, beautiful courageous women for coming out and doing what they do daily and to be able to put themselves in position to have the platforms that they have and then on top of that, expound on that platform and to be able to utilize that platform for things that are very necessary. Shout out to y'all. But now now Spencer, I want to take it a different direction. I want to talk about your Portland Trailblazers and the big deal that they just made this week extending C.J. McCollum's contract, three (laughs) years, $100 million. They gave
0: him the whole bag. Congratulations to the brother. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He deserves that kind of money, bro. Oh, yeah, 100%. And and this is what I was thinking about. It's like, and you you tell me if I'm wrong here, but it's basically like with that extension and just signing uh, Dame to an extension as well, Terry Stotts got the extension on the contract. Uh, I think Neil O'Shea and that whole organization excuse my language, but put their proverbial nuts on the table here, and basically said, I'll bet you $100 million that the Portland Trailblazers are going to win a championship in the next three to four years. And I'm inclined to agree with them. I'm putting it down on wax right now. I think that in three to four years, you and me are going to be standing in the middle of downtown Portland in a parade after we won a championship. Here's what I'll say. That's that's my prediction. Here's what
1: I'll say. First off, easier said than done. Second off, mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to you and I celebrating doing what we do <laughs> that would be here in the city of Portland where we live if the team brought a championship here. I've gotten the experience that living in the Bay Area when the Warriors won their first championship. I was at that parade. If I'm living in a city and there's a sports a championship parade happening there, believe you me, I'm showing I'm up. There.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm,
1: <laughs> I'm there. I'm there. i right in the center. <laughs> because it's just that lit. So I'm not opposed to that. Here's what I will say, though. Like I said, it's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. We know how competitive the NBA already is. Right. We know kind of the splashy, star-studded moves that were made, mm-hmm. um, not just in free agency, but if we expound a little bit further in off, this offseason. Right. Um, great draft class, that, or potentially a great, great draft class. We On really paper. don't know. On paper, you got Zion Williamson who's very hyped, John Moran. You got got a pretty hyped draft class coming in. And then obviously we know a lot of the shuffles that were made amongst stars in this league as well. But here's where I can agree with you to an extent. I am somebody that is of the belief as of right now until proven otherwise that so far it's been a very glittery summer. It's been a very... Glittery off season. By that I mean, we've seen and we've heard time and again the arguments made in favor of this off season and this free agency being the wildest, craziest, dopest off season ever, ever, for a plethora of reasons that I probably shouldn't even name because many of you already know what's going on in the NBA and what's went on within the last month or two in the NBA. So I'm not even gonna dig too deep, move for move, but we know. There was a lot of glittery moves that were made that look real, real shiny for certain teams, i.e. the Los Angeles Clippers, the LA Lakers, the Houston Rockets. I mean the list Brooklyn, goes the Brooklyn yeah, Nets. The list goes night, on. That somewhere. Boston Celtics was able to get Kimball Walker. Yeah. We've talked about here that here on this podcast already. So if you want to hear about moves that have been made in the offseason, just go listen back to the last few episodes because we've talked about it as things have happened. But the reason why that I'm saying that this offseason has been very glittery is because we don't know what these guys are going to produce come mid-October. We don't know what's going to work and what's not going to work. We don't know who's going to be healthy and who's not going to be healthy. And I don't even really want to lean on the health discussion even more so than I just want to lean on the pure basketball discussion, the pure chemistry discussion. What we do have proof of is the success of a CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard playing together. I think they've been the six or seven straight postseasons. They're continuing to get better. They just made it to the Western Conference Finals for the first time in 20 years. That is just a step away from being in the NBA Finals. So I get what you were saying there. I think you still had a little fandom menu that came out but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. No, you're a man, Blazer I fan never, and you're here. I never, but,
0: I never exercise homerism, bro. Come but, on, man. But but what I'm
1: saying is I think of the Portland Trail Blazers essentially keeping their core, making a few different moves that I think actually made them better, but keeping their core that's already been successful. I think about a team like the Denver Nuggets, who's mm-hmm. keeping their core and have already been successful. Right. Hell, I think about a team like the Golden State Warriors, who I think more so than people are giving them credit for, is keeping their core because you still have the three all-stars that you started with that got you right. and turned you into this dynasty. Yeah. But I think we just all kind of got sidetracked by, rightfully so too, by such a mega basketball right. player and Kevin Durant coming to play for Golden State. Yeah, I understand Iggy and Livingston and guys are gone, but role players come and go. But as far as that core of three guys that got this thing started with mm-hmm. this Warrior Dynasty, mm-hmm. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, they're still oh, there. Yeah. And they still added another all-star to that team, and I think Younger. and I think the difference with them adding a star, which could also be a quote unquote glittery move, that's different from these other teams adding these stars is that this team is already used to playing with three and four stars on the team on a team so I think it's going to be a lot easier for them to adjust to than these other cats that are trying to kind of ride a wave of stars joining forces because yep. it hasn't really worked. Dame oh, hey. shot OKC hey, out, we'll of, out of out of everything, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> like like destroyed, destroyed that whole franchise, destroyed bro. that whole like most of oh, them man. don't work. harder than yeah. Chris Paul that was a star tandem, yeah, now yeah.
0: didn't work. Dude, I mean, we saw Boogie and Anthony Davis before; didn't work. Chemistry is only valuable if it's good chemistry. Like you can put pieces together mismatch, but if it doesn't blend, if they don't work well together, then it's not good. You know, so, no that's, matter what star power you have in the world, exactly. And so, I, I agree with you there. I think that chemistry. I think chemistry could be like a like a low key like big storyline that's going to be played out in this regular season and the postseason because you know Clay was saying it too. I think he was just saying it the other day. Uh, you know, for people to count Golden State out is miscalculation. And it's like, well, duh, Draymond looked the best that he's ever looked in his life playing basketball over this finals, yeah. Even though he lost. Yeah. Clay Thompson coming off an injury, but I mean it's clay. He's whenever he's yeah. gonna be whenever he can walk, he's gonna be playing ball. For sure. And Steph Curry is Steph Curry. But here's the deal, bro. It's like, you know, you gotta have it's it's a little bit bigger than basketball when it comes to winning a chip and you tell have, me more you have to have all of the pieces of the organization and what the organization touches to come together on like the same wave golden state and the city of san francisco and oakland respectively and really the whole bay they know how to come together down to the 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 bartenders and the cooks and yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. in the city has to be on that same vibe.
1: Okay. That's interesting. You say that because we talk about the culture and the aura of many things, especially, you know, when D boy is here that he and I do professionally, right? Um, I talked about it when I, this this last season, it was my first year covering Portland state, every game that I covered at Portland state, they won this year. <laughs> I gave myself a little bit of credit for that and even when I'm on the broadcast I remember a weekend in particular Portland State had two home games they had a Thursday night game and a Saturday night game they had this new beautiful pavilion in between those games Nike obviously we know Portland is the the the, Nike the town, Metro is yes yeah, it's, I got a it's Nike USA right I got it's, a Nike it's Nike USA so out here yeah same same it's Nike USA out here the headquarters are here <laughs> but but it was a game like it was a weekend, like I said, they had a Thursday night game and a Saturday night game. In between those games was sneakerball. Nike every year does sneaker ball. This right. year they had Wale come performing yeah, at Sneaker right. Ball. I heard he that you. was on a Friday night. And one thing that I made sure to mention in the pregame show of Saturday, Saturday night's game that followed a Friday night that Wale was there, and before that a Thursday night that Portland State had also won. I made sure to make mention that the aura and the culture, the cultural kind of influence and the energy that was already in the building was going to help Portland state also win that Saturday night game because it had already been so lit in the pavilion the mm-hmm. last couple of days with them coming off of a win. Then you have this big sneaker ball event and now we're back here Saturday night for a game. I think that that was an added element, and sure enough, they won. Obviously, D Boy making a Blazers song this year—you witnessed it with us. We I were was down on stage. there, him performing. <laughs> I was you was on, man, stage, we was on stage performing in front of thousands of fans. Yeah, yeah. Like, like all of that, I think is included. So, I think Dude, that's a very interesting point that you make it, there, bro.
0: That's what it takes, man. And you know me, man. I'm out in these streets all over. I play the music. I do my music thing. I play all over the city. I'm always you know, trying to stay connected with my community. I cook at various restaurants. I, I have a passion for cooking and, you know, I sort of bread, butter my bread a little bit with, right. with cooking in, in, in restaurants. And, you know, I, no, I notice it, man. Like, um, it, you know, it, it's it requires everybody to be on a vibe. And, like, you have to kind of, as a city, everybody's got to give a little bit of yourself yeah. to this cause or, like, this pursuit, the goal, you know. And, I, and I'm and i telling you, man, Portland is is. We're going to do it where the wave is is cresting is rising right now and I promise you it'll crest and we I bet I bet we win a championship. I bet you 100 million dollars we win a championship? I, I, well, you I wouldn't bet 100 million
1: dollars well, on that, but I will give dollars, but... but I will give the Blazers credit for the moves that they're making and I will say Damian Lillard and CJ McCullough make it fairly easy for the culture to kind of have the trajectory that it's having here in this city you know as well. Let me ask you <laughs> they this. They definitely let, do. Let me ask you this. Go bro, for it.
0: Because what I saw with this uh with this off season was is like it, it it took the big three and it and it brought it back down to the big two level. Everyone's paired up, right? Mm-hmm. So with chemistry aside, I mean or I mean with chemistry being taken into account, think about all the big twos that you have now. Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. Okay. You got Kimball Walker and Jason Tatum. You
1: got, I mean, I that's, those are the two that, best players but, on their team. But I don't
0: consider that a big two. But we can go. We can Regardless. Go. Okay, KD. still. There's KD and Kyrie, more. big KD, two. Kyrie. Uh, LeBron, LeBron AD, AD, big two. Kawhi, Paul George, Hardin, big two. West Westbrook. Westbrook, big what about, two. What about Jokic and Jamal Murray? Are they a big two? I like Jamal <laughs> I don't, Murray. I like Jamal Murray. Like he got a Jamal back. Dude, they might be a big
1: two, I like bro. that Jamal Murray.
0: And I said last year
1: that he was going to be most improved this year. He wasn't, but I think he proved over the course and the seat of the season and the postseason why I made that case for him coming into the year. So, but uh, I don't know if I quite give him big two yet.
0: No, but I think maybe after this year, this is the this is the year. Okay, so with all of that being considered, shit, Stephen Clay too. Put them in there. Let's do it. Is there anybody really pound for pound better of a duo than Damon? It's I, Clay. That I know it's definitely Clay, obviously. But all these other big twos, are they? Are they? Are first we haven't seen it, so that we don't know. But I mean, even like, even if you're just trying to you know play, do it for fun. Like, really, is there? Are these guys really better than what Damon CJ are able to do on a night in and night out basis? Here's what I'll say. I I'll I'll
1: go back to chemistry. I don't think there's anybody probably outside of Stefan Clay with better chemistry than those two. And that's because well, and a Steph lot and of these are objectively big too. better too. Uh,
0: so. I don't know, LeBron and AD like. No, I'm saying like, then then, then and CJ.
1: Oh, Stephen Clay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like The numbers. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but yeah. okay, my bad. I, I heard that wrong. I know. But saying. anywho, but anywho, um, yeah, I do think that there are duos with more potential, like LeBron and AD, than Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum being together. LeBron and AD, Paul George and Kawhi, even the young group of Ben Simmons and and Joel and Bead. If Ben Simmons yeah. can ever get a jump shot, huh? um, but but what I will say is, Dame and CJ's ceiling is for one very high, yeah, and for two, they're the element of chemistry that they do have that many of these other duos don't because they just quite haven't had the time to be able to create a certain level of chemistry that Damon and CJ have been afforded to. Yes. I think Damon CJ can knock off pretty much any of those other duos coming into this next season. And here's why I'll say that. I think Damon CJ, the last two years, the Portland trailblazers have been a three C they have their pace together. They have their just overall shit together when it comes to being able to win games in a really, really tough Western Conference. I think Denver put themselves in position to know how to do that as well, and they showed it this last year, and I think they're going to build on that, keeping their core together. I said what I said about Golden State already as well. You mentioned what Clay Thompson said as well. What I think we're going to see in the Western Conference, and this goes back to the reason why I'm calling the offseason glittery, and not golden. Hmm. I think we're going to see many teams in the Western Conference that take 20 to 25 games to try to gain some chemistry. And quite frankly, that's entirely too long to have to gain chemistry in a conference like the Western Conference. I think you got to know how to come out the gates rolling in a conference like the Western Conference. And if you don't, Teams like LeBron James, I mean, the LA Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers with the LeBrons and the Kawhis of the world, if those teams don't come out rolling early on and they try to gain chemistry and kind of gain traction midway through the season they might still be able to get in the playoffs yeah. but as of right now folks are calling them like the top contenders in the west Yeah. but I mean, it ain't gonna I'm matter saying, but I'm it's not gonna Clippers. matter it's not gonna matter if they if it takes them 30 games to uh, to gain chemistry right. in the NBA and they both end up being a 4 or 5 seed and have to play each other in the first round yeah, yeah. a 3 6 seed and have to play each other in the first round it's not gonna matter and that could very, well very well happen Golden in State, fact Houston i mean I can see it happening. It's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to happen. It's It's going to happen. And there's going to be teams like the Blazers and the Nuggets who are going to know how to win because they've done it before. The chemistry is there. And quite frankly, we've already had to deal with the Golden State Warriors year in and year out if I'm Damon CJ. I'm not really scared of LeBron and AD. I'm not really scared of Kawhi and Paul George. I'm not scared of these other duos after having to play against these crazy, this crazy foursome in Golden State. (laughs) Like, I'm just not. So I just think that people are going to be shocked. People are really going to be shocked and surprised coming into next season because I think the teams that essentially were able to keep their core are going to have better seasons than a lot of these teams, really majority of these teams that made these kind of splashy and glittery offseason moves.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I I really do.
1: That's my take on it, man. So congratulations to C.J. McCollum. I actually went to his basketball camp yesterday and I actually got to hang out with CJ McCullum last night um, through some mutual friends. And there's no denying after hanging out with him without digging too deep into what we did. Um, I'm, I'm happy for him. Uh, not saying that I wasn't happy for him before, because I think generally I was just happy for him as a black man. Um, mm-hmm. I, I support CJ McCullum because he does similar work that I do, obviously, being in the podcast industry. But last night, I really got to kind of hang out and kick it with C.J. McCollum and, you know, have some just casual conversation with him. We ain't talk basketball. We ain't talk podcasting. That wasn't the element we were in. Um, But I got to just kind of hang out with him and really see him for the dude that he is. And I think he's a great dude from, you know, my first time hanging out with him and being able to actually go to the camp and see him. He's there. I only went for like an hour, but... He's there from the start of the camp to the end of the camp every day. And I know that means a lot because I can recall a kid's camp that I went to and fuck it, I'm going to call him out for it. Mike Bibby, to be exact, when he played for the Sacramento Kings and I went to a Mike Bibby camp for a week and we saw him for all the 30 minutes that week. And now it's to come in, talk for 10 minutes, take pictures for 20 minutes and we didn't see him the rest of the week. It was other people running the camp. Where C.J. McCullum, I got to see him be there all day, well, while I was there, but I know he's been there all day, each day this week, supporting those kids. I know Damien Lillard does the same thing, which is why I said they make it easy, for the culture of Portland, the city of Portland, the fans of Portland to, to kind of get behind them, <laughs> yeah. to give them a
0: trajectory Yo. to be great. Hell yeah, and they got paid, and, and we're and Portland, Portland said, yeah, those are our guys, bro. There like, you go. We rolling? we rolling with them. And there like, you go. We're all rolling together here. I, I, that's, that's what Portland said. Like, fuck it. We're coming at you. <laughs> I'm you not know? mad at it. I'm not mad at it.
1: Next up, Spencer, let's talk a little bit of music, man. Like yeah. I said, you, you're a connoisseur in my eyes, so... And I think I'd do pretty decent at being able to discuss it. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit of music next. Keep it locked. is the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey.
0: Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit ThatCast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network.
1: So, Spencer, mm-hmm. I've gotten to see you time and again perform around here in the city of Portland. Yep. and Quite frankly, I think you're a great performer. Well, thanks. Bro. Um, Something, a fun fact that a lot of people may not know here on this podcast, but when I was in college, I did a campus radio show. And at the time, I was playing ball, so I kind of had the mentality of, it was kind of an old school mentality that athletes had. I don't think it's the same case anymore, but kind of that old school mentality where when it came to being an actual athlete you you were skeptical about the media you didn't necessarily befriend the media some did and i think some were successful with it and there was a blueprint kind of laid out over time that led to now this kind of meshing of at- athletes becoming media members owning their own media platforms etc etc being willing to kind of talk to media and being more open with media, just all of that. Like, I think there's been a growth there. Yeah, I agree. But at this time, it was maybe five, six years ago now, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was playing ball, even though I was a general media major, I kept ball and media kind of separate. So what I did was I played basketball. Boom, that was all fine and dandy. But I also had a campus radio show. That was called vibing with pounds, Vibin'
0: with Pounce. And it was a hip-hop... I remember that, bro. Yeah. Bro, we used to get down, <laughs> we bro. We used to get down. Yeah, that's right. I we was there, We used to get too. down, yeah. I was there, yeah. bro. It was Rolling a, in there. It
1: was a hip-hop radio yeah, show. Was tight. And I didn't touch sports. All I did bro, was discuss fun hip-hop, spun tunes,
0: fun tunes yeah. talked about, you know, that's current right. events that were happening and, within hip-hop. And see, at that time... I was starting running my little uh, Wayback Entertainment, right? Which is like uh, it was, I just basically put music, musicians and DJs in various bars on contracts. So because I had a bunch of gear, right? I was able to be like, okay, boom, boom. I'll just put all my stuff in here, and I can charge you a reduced rate. So then you're not like you become sort of partially liable, really, right? You know right. what I mean, right? Uh, for the gear, and then I had so many friends that were great musicians and you know I, I gig all over the place in portland and i play you know i'm a singer you and can't play be everywhere at once right. and you dj <laughs> right and to get and, and to try to make as much money off of the gear that i had i was like well i could just get my friends in. and i was introduced. we devon and i were introduced through a mutual friend shouts to rob actually <laughs> my to boy rob at Pacific rob university Morris, baby yeah Pacific. And so then, uh, yeah, we started DJing, and, and yeah, you you were the
1: person that got me DJing, yeah. And I
0: still DJ from time to time. Dude, now. You get more gigs than me, DJ. I, yeah, I kind of <laughs> do like, now, damn, bro.
1: I, I kind of do now. I'm DJing <laughs> weddings and shit yeah, now. Yeah. I KJ every Tuesday night at a spot in Beaverton. Like I, I definitely get gigs now. Yeah. But you were the person yeah. you put me in billiards in Forest Grove, Oregon, <laughs> a little up, pool hall. And I would come in there and, and I would DJ. I would shout out to Billiards, dog. I think it's out of business now. <laughs> oh, no, they're but coming back. I, I are they, they coming back? back? Okay, because I, cause I, track yeah, I, I, I drove by, man. and I it, 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 I I was it, it looked it's like it's no, stripped from the inside out. I mean, like, it looked like it's a lot of work being done, but yeah. I don't know if it's a new owner. It is. I don't really know what's it's going on, owner. but it, okay. It's been... The ownership has changed. hands. So got you. Not... Got you. Well, shout out to Billiards. Yeah, but sure. yeah, that was my first time ever <laughs> DJing and I used your gear. Yeah. And, and yeah. that was what I did in college. That was one of my hustles in college. Right. It was a way that I was able to make money because we yeah. all know NCAA players are <laughs> broke as shit anyway, They're which is paid. why we got so much to say about this billion dollar industry not paying us. But we've had that conversation before and I wouldn't be surprised if we have it again. We just won't have it right now. <laughs> But that was one of my side hustles with yeah, DJing, DJing at the local bar, man. And yeah. I used to be able to bring the whole campus out, at least the folks that were over 21, juniors and seniors, things of that sort, yeah, bring saying. the whole campus out. And we used, to, we used to have it going on out there. It so did. Spencer That's was the guy that introduced me to DJing, for those of you who don't know, mm-hmm. which is why, going back to the topic at hand, I value what he has to say when it comes to music. Sure. Now we're going to narrow it down to hip hop. Yeah. This past week, a lot of great music came out. You had Chance the Rapper's new album. The Big You had YBN Cordae's new album. The Lost Boy. You had E-40's new album. I didn't actually get
0: to hear that. Practice
1: makes paper, baby. Practice makes paper. I know, I know. Big Sean released some new music. He he didn't drop an album, but he dropped a couple songs, and we know he's kind of been by the wayside because of mental illnesses and things of that sort. For a long time but definitely a huge mental health issues issues. thank you thank you way to clear that up for me uh mental health issues he 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 was you know dealing with that and who's to say he doesn't still have them but he's at least back to the point where he's making and putting out music again and we haven't had that from him who is one of my favorite rappers by the way um so yeah um just kind of with that that's been laid out Talk to me, man. What's okay. some of the best music that came out this past
0: week? Well, I mean, we basically named uh, the best music, um, I, and I'll just tell you this is what I think about the state of hip hop right now. I think that Chance the Rapper and YBN Cordae and Anderson Pack too. There's other guys too, but I mean, I it's not a look. It's not a coincidence, bro, that Chance drops his album. YB and Cordae drops his album the same week. And they're both, like, he, Cordae's do, just doing stuff with Chance. You see him on Instagram. You got the new yeah. song with them. You see them linking up. Mm-hmm. It's no coincidence that these guys are doing this all at the same time. And Anderson's in the mix on that, too, because, I mean, those guys really, bro, are changing the way that, they're they're rechanging the way that we listen to hip hop again. Mm. That it's about the rapping, because YB and Corday can rap his ass off as a young dude. He is he's really really good. And I don't know if you listen if if anybody noticed after all the the shit talking that people were saying about Chance's album, which I think is crazy. I get it. He had some duds on there, and he was trying to do his like, you know. I mean, he's 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 a man in love. You know, he just got married and whatever, but. He's his gospel influence is way on point on that album. Those first four tracks on that album are worth the price of admission alone. He is spitting heat over that whole thing, and then he gets a little whatever. Uh, it sounded like he was trying to be. He really stepped into a more like production role on this album. That's what he said he wanted. He wanted to be more of like a producer, and like you could hear kind of like he's trying to do like some Kanye stuff. But it's like, dude, you're
1: you're not Kanye, bro. Yeah. So, like
0: just kind of do your own thing. And then like in that same breath, YB and Cordae, what I heard out of that album was like, he is, it's hard because it's like, he's really, I see him stuck in between like, do I want to, because he loves J. Cole and he sounds so much like J. Cole, even the way he like makes melodies, some of the new melodies on that, on this album, um, are really J. Cole and influenced. He does a lot of chance vocalization in other places. Clearly he likes both of them as rappers and he looks up to them. But with the Corday Lost Boy album, I think it was dope, but he's not there yet. And hmm. he's not there yet, man. That album, it lacked. Like, I would say that even though Chance had a lot more duds on the album, it was nearly twice the length of his album, so right. take that in consideration. Right. But that he had more duds on that album, I still say that The Big Day was a better album overall than the Lost
1: Boy. I'd have to disagree. I'd have to disagree. And here's why I would have to disagree because, for one, I'm a huge fan of YBN Cordae. Um I'm, I'm a huge fan of Chance the Rapper as well. But why I've been sold on YBN Corday since he actually made that kind of rebuttal song. J. I don't show. even want to call it a diss, but he it was definitely a rebuttal to the 1985 record that J. Cole yeah. had, you know, kind of trying to put some of the young rappers and the young artists on game. Right. But... I think that also is a part of the reason why I have to give YBN Corday more credit and say that he had a better album than Chance the Rapper yeah. is because I don't think he had probably any duds at all.
0: No, he did. So, but, so even though, but it was not even nearly as ambitious.
1: But, but here's the thing: even though Chance's album might have been twice the length, I think where Chance is at in his career in comparison to where YBN Cordae is in his career, Chance shouldn't really be dudding anymore. I think for YBA to come out with his, YBN Cordae to come out with his debut album and not have any duds, and have some really, really great records, in my opinion on there, I was more impressed, I was more impressed with YBN Cordae and i think that he had the better album for those reasons.
0: Oh, i'll say the coming out one, in your debut I'll, album and not yeah. having any duds no, is, look, is a statement, I'll bro. I'll say that he was more impressive, but the reality is that Chance's way first off he has way more resources. Look at the features Chance had on his album. It's crazy, bro. It was basically like i mean a, a who's who of like low-key great musicians. Like the musicality and the production quality of Chance's record is eons better than than YB and corday. Although YB and Cordae has some uh, great music on there. Performed. Yeah, yeah he had, way better. Really, honestly, way better. I listened to that whole chance thing and there were moments where I was like, dude, I'm gonna turn this off. But I knew I was gonna be on the pod today, so I'm like, I gotta listen to the whole thing. Right. But that Cordae, I was just like folding palm tree, and I'm just listening to it. And I had to stop and like go and look at my phone. I'm like, damn, like, what's the name of this one? Like who, you know what I'm saying? Like he, he was good. And, and I've seen YB and Cordae. Bro, me and D Boy. You just performed. Just yeah, performed you opened with for him. him. Open for him, and I wanted to. T- I wanted to say to tell you this story too. Just because, last month, it was while I was in yeah, Germany.
1: Yeah, you DJ for D Boy, and while he opened
0: up for I mean I wanted to see your audience, and I want because I mean, like you said, I play a lot of music, and I've, I've literally hundreds, of, probably thousands of shows in my life easily, and I've seen big artists and whatever. I just do my thing, but when you see young kids like that that come up in that way. The first inclination that you have, if you're like someone like me, who's like on the bill with them, you go, oh, shit, it's going to be delayed and people aren't going to show up on time for a sound check. And the artists are going to be, you know, basically like ruining the flow of the show. And you know, I'm a performer, man. Like I care about giving the people what they paid for, like have the flow of it. You don't want to have people standing out 45 minutes to yeah. an hour and a half after when you're supposed to be on stuff like A40 that. A-40 is a king of that but shit. But I'll tell you straight up, YB and Cordae was A-1, and his whole touring party was awesome. They couldn't have been nicer. We show up to soundcheck on time, and guess who's there on time? Everybody. Everyone does their soundchecks. I'm talking, like, down to the minute. Wow. On the schedule, That's it impressive. was like it was like they were, there, they were there. And I know that for a fact because when he was out, I was out back, and I'm uh, hanging out back, and... I'm sitting there because I was like, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, dude, really? Everybody so far exactly on time. And I'm looking at it. He's supposed to go on at like uh, nine thirty or something like that, or nine forty five. And I'm like looking at my phone and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's almost that time. It's almost that time. Boom! Like nine forty five. That his bus doors open. He comes out and he's like, yeah, man. I can hear him talking to his people. He's like, yeah, man. They're like, the show's going really well. Everyone out there's looking like having a great time. He's like, yeah, man. I love Portland. He's like, Portland. I hear Portland have great shows i can't wait he puts his gear on i walk behind him i go see him perform he kills it just kills it hmm. brought the energy the whole time right and then he sat there he went he went back into his thing he put a new pair of clothes on because you got to when you get up there yeah, and sweating for sure and i stand there and I, me and d-boy watch him an entire line damn near the entire audience lined out and he is Boom! On stage, take a picture with every single one of these kids and these wow. people that were at this show. Every wow. single, every single kid that came up, he was like, "Hey, man, what's your name? Nice to meet you." Oh, those are cool shoes. I love that shirt, the towel, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I was like, yeah. "Bro, this kid could not be more professional." Yeah. Shook everyone's hands, like thank the security. I was like, "Oh, that's what a star looks." like. That's a star.
1: That's a, It was reach, was He's reaching awesome, the people. Bro. It was awesome. He's reaching do. the people beyond just his phenomenal so music. Away. But I got a question though, because. Even though we might disagree on who had the better album, because I definitely think it was YBN Cordae. And I think a part of it also is that Anderson Pack influence, who I've said on this podcast, I think has had the best album of the year up to this point. I think that actually can change still, but um, it's enough new music out that I haven't heard enough of, but I'm listening to right now. But as of right now, Anderson still takes the cake. But right. one thing I always say about Anderson, and I think you and I have had this discussion off air, I think Anderson is somebody who has an ear for music, and he's he's strategically becoming that Pharrell type of ear for music, that Terrace Martin type of ear for music. Well, he knows because all those guys.
0: He makes music he, with all them
1: cats. Yeah, but beyond, beyond just knowing and making music with all those cats, his last two albums he's partnered up with Dr. Dre, Who's known as like the best hip hop producer, producer ever, super producer, yeah. you know what I mean? Has 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 produced some of the biggest and hottest records, including some of his own. So I think Anderson is strategically putting himself in sure. that place, and, so Cordes, and Cordes and is very smart for connecting himself to Anderson in that way,
0: and more, and and just as importantly with Chance, bro. I'm telling you, Chance is a better musician. Chance has an unbelievable ear. And listening to that album, so does Corday. It's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, he does. It's just he's younger. So if if anything, it's by default. Like really, Chance's album, I, I think it's one of those things that you got to go back and you got to listen to a couple of times because, like, when, when I first heard the very first track off that album, because I was kicking it with a girl, um, and we were chilling in the room, and she plays that that album for me when it drops, and that first song, I was like, I I can't listen to this right now. I was like, we have to turn this off sit here like devote myself to this album for a little bit and i did that today and there's a lot of great maritable musical stuff going on with chance i think he's a better rapper than ybn Cordae. i, I mean i mean he's I, a better musician and he's a better rapper I, chance had some hard body i don't know if that. he's a better rapper did you listen to the shit he was i saying? don't know if i i would give Bro, you i would give you more
1: bars i would give there, you dog. more credit saying he's a better bars. musician then I would give you nah. credit saying a better rapper. P, Corday can spit, dog. Bro, so can He Chance. can spit, dog. Chance
0: look, dude. If you listen to those lyrics. But Honestly, Corday kind of got that like young like still still in that like conscious. Like some honestly, Corday's great, but he has some corny ass lines too. I Chance makes corny Chance lines, no, but yeah, Chance is, them, like, is a yeah. master of corny lines. I know, in yeah, my I, opinion. that's what I'm saying. You can just see that 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 Corday is like I got. It. He's probably listening to that album right now. He's like, How can I be like Chance? How can I be like Anderson? Because you can hear
1: it. Can I do want like to Deadpool? ask you this though. I do want to ask you this because that was just last month or well, now. Shit, it's August, so that was within the last couple of months. It right. was like mid June. Yeah, it's August second today. It was like mid June. Yeah, when y'all performed and that. opened up for YBN Corday. I'm curious. I don't know if there's a strategy to this or not. And I think you might know as somebody who does music. Hmm. I would imagine that YBN Corday was pretty close to done with his album at the time that he was on tour and y'all performed with him, right? Sure. With that being said, I think he knew his album was fire. I think. Obviously, I have no fact, no factual evidence, but just based on the confidence that he has, the music that I've heard him produce up to this point, I would imagine he was confident in this album that's coming you out know, and that he knew it was going to do numbers but my question is why would he go on tour so soon or so close to, to the release of the, the album i that
0: he you're i, I presume you're part before of the, the album, album is be released too to and drop it. It, drop it and then give and then go on tour and then go on tour
1: is there any kind of science that you can think of as to why somebody would go you know, on tour Right before releasing an
0: album, I do honestly, bro. I just think that like that's the type of move that's best reserved for mega superstar because it's like <clears throat> the margin, like that you can get monetarily out of that tour is the number. Like it's so much greater. Like oh, if I have a new album and I can get everyone on the the wave that I'm trying to get on, now I have the the juice right now, so I can. You know, my my merchandising people can be more on point. Maybe I have album art or, like, stuff like that, that merchandise that I can tie in with that to make more money there, like, on, like, the back end in terms of like what you can make off of the tour. Maybe you can pencil in more dates because you have more, like, a claim at the time because of the album. Um, but with Corday, I think he's really, he really cares about rapping. And this is what I noticed about uh, when I listened to the album. It was on YouTube, the whole thing, and it just rocked. every albums all on YouTube. Right. Now. Well, the thing that was interesting that I, I noticed particularly about the Lost Boy album on YouTube when you play it, every song. I think there's like a couple of songs that have like music videos that he shot, blah blah blah. But every song had like a lyric video that was like well done and produced, and like there was graphics in every one. And the video was every one of those songs was just the lyrics scrolling across the screen as they came in an interesting way. Right. So I see that as like Corday just wants people to listen to what he's saying. He's like really trying to be like, let's bring rapping back in a real
1: way. Yeah. But 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 with that being said, do you think now kind of thinking about what you said, because obviously I've never seen Corday, never met Corday. I wish I could have been at that show, but I was out of town. Um, but you were, you were doing just fine where you, uh, were. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not complaining, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not complaining, but, no, but be I've been a fan of sure, Corday bro. for the yeah, last know, year plus, like, exactly. Like yeah. I, I've been a fan of Corday, but now just kind of thinking deeper into it and knowing and hearing what you just said about why being Corday, maybe it was smarter for him and hearing what you said about him wanting people to kind of be more alert when it comes to his rapping, his lyricism. And and all of that, his 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 ability to be an orator, but as a as an artist, right? Um, maybe it was smarter for him to go on tour first to get a direct connection with these people, and have a connection and give them such a memorable moment in real life, to where yeah, in a month from now, a month and a half from now. This moment that ah, I'm having with you, this real moment that I'm having with you, this real connection that I'm having with you, is going to make you more urgent to, to want, want to go hear my album, my album. right? Hey, you, you know, right. It's So funny that you say that
0: because as I'm recalling, <laughs> that was kind of his mantra throughout the show. He's like, really, I want to make this a moment. We're a family tonight. Like I want to make this a memorable experience. You know like, what this I'm is saying? My first solo tour where I'm the headliner. He's like, this is every every thing is special, and you know what, bro? Because that's so fucking sorry. <laughs> excuse me. That's so hip, though, because I'll bet my life that would all you of bet those that Neil
1: O'Shea hundred million dollars? C J McCollum hundred million dollars?
0: If I had it to bet I would. Yeah. no, but bro, for real, yeah, talk I'll to bet me. You bro. that those kids that were at that show now that they got the release of that album all across the country, I'm sure I'll bet you like they feel like all over I'm the world. A, all over the world, sure, because he he, he, he it was an international tour, he sure. hit some spots. So, I bet you they're going, I'm a part of this album, yeah, you know what I mean. I'm in this music because I was there with him this year, right before he dropped, I was just there right. with him, right? And we, right. Were, and we were having a moment,
1: yeah, you know, just
0: that is so connected, dude. That, it's so connected, that's really hit, man. And that, head. and that
1: which will ultimately lead to him having a cult following yeah and if we look at who's most successful it's usually the artist with the cult following
0: i just think look at
1: somebody like and and i think corday is weird enough and i'm not saying that negatively but i think corday is weird enough to where he actually prefers to have a cult following that's not to say he's opposed to being mainstream but with the kind of person he is I think a cult following kind of suits him better as an artist and can propel him to be as mainstream as he wants to be. Kind of similar to, not because their personalities are the same, but kind of similar to like the Tyler the Creator type of approach. Um, Chance the Rapper definitely had a cult following. I think Gambino, Childish Gambino, Donald Glover,
0: more cult cult following. that's why, Which propels
1: you to mainstream in ways like no other.
0: That's why he's looking at a guy like Chance because you're absolutely dead on, bro. That's the game. Like, if you go in and you say, all right, record studio, pay for my album. And then you're like, okay, well, why don't we sign with a contract while we're at it? All that money that we're about to pay you. Oh, yeah. You owe me that. Yeah. So let's get your album off and now we'll get your tour going for you so you can go ahead and make money and we'll just take whatever we want off the top because it's our shit. And guys like Chance and Corday are going, well, what if I just do it myself? And then when these people are buying my album straight from me, because I you know, did the tour the right way. He was in a Sprinter van, bro. That's, yeah. like, that's how you do it. That's that E40 independent grind. That's that independent that's that grind. Independent grind. And, that's and, how you do it. They I'm, rent a Sprinter van out, and the homies are like, I'll take care of this part. You take care of that part. Yeah. And let's go get it. I've done it. That's I'm glad.
1: Do it. I'm glad you brought up kind of that independent element. Out, and now
0: he's on Fallon.
1: Now he's on Fallon. Yeah, now he he's on Jimmy that, Fallon. You know, yeah, yeah. And he's got his he's album, on, and everybody's yeah. talking about it. We're sitting
0: here talking about it right now. Yeah. But, but the the bottom line is, bro, and this is just what I've been seeing, man, and like, I I like a lot of people are getting getting down to it. Like, the way to win in the game, in any game, really, that you're trying to play, whether you're like just working in a restaurant or you're trying to be a successful artist or whatever, like you just have to be like nice to people. Think deeper about that. Like, don't just take it on a surface level, obviously, because it's a much deeper than that. But like, that's the synopsis. Like, You just gotta be nice to people, bro. You gotta yeah. be willing to be touch like, touch people. Yeah. Yeah. Touch people. Yeah. You and gotta I, make connections. Yeah. I,
1: I, I have the fortune of being able to do that every day. So I know the gratitude. I know the gratitude as somebody who's like active on social media As somebody who's worked in radio and has worked in kind of that mainstream form of media and now being able to work in media in a way where it is more me connecting with people, it is more of, you know, I'm with people all day, every day. It's definitely a different element. And I think I'm kind of in a better place um, mentally, creatively, because I do get to connect with these people. Right. And it's growing me in a more organic way, which I ultimately think kind of helps out all the way around, especially as a content creator, but most importantly, as a human being. But you mentioned kind of the independent and the cultist type of a feel. And I do want to briefly talk about E-40 before we end this oh, segment. No, it's, um it's, I know you it's, didn't it's hear the right, albums. I'm,
0: Mandatory.
1: I know you didn't hear the album. I did hear the album. And I want to start off by saying, for one, I'm from the same hometown as E-40. Right. E-40 has made records with D-Boy. Him and D-Boy have a great relationship. Sure. Um. So I, it's probably a good thing that D-Boy isn't here on this podcast today after I'm about to say what I'm about to say. Oh, um. E-40 is a flat-out legend. E-40 is somebody I've been listening to since I can remember. Mm-hmm. He's been popping since before I was born. He came out of my hometown. He knows my family personally. He's hooked me up with backstage tickets, randomly running into him at a concert here in Oregon. I was in Eugene, Oregon, and he had a show out there one time because you know, I used to throw parties and do all of that stuff in Eugene and yeah I was there, I man. saw E40. yeah, you were there. you were there I literally I literally saw E40. Back it was a it was a venue, probably about a five, six hundred person venue that we've actually thrown a party at the Wild Hall. Wild hall and yeah. so in the back, like it's more of an open parking lot where where the parking lot is where he parks his tour bus and all of that. Like you actually can see him walking from there up to the building. And I like call him out. And although he didn't really know me, when I told him my last name, he was it was automatic. You look like a pouncey. What you? Why are you not inside? Man, 40, I just kind of walked over here because I was hanging out in Eugene. I'm always in Eugene. He took me in with him. I walked right in with E-40, backstage passes for me and my homies, and it, it was a good situation. It was real cool. Um, but what I'm about to say about E-40, I, I just got to get it off my chest because E-40 is an absolute legend, and I think E-40 is also somebody that's underrated. Um, and E-40 probably wouldn't feel the way that I feel, but. Without having any reflection of the album. I think it's time for E-40 to one, either retire what? or two, what? slow it down a bit. What? what a whole lot. About, bro? Slow Wait, it down what? a lot. Why dude? I think E-40 what? needs to retire or you slow think it he's down. Washed? No.
0: I that's haven't not, the album. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's not
1: what I'm saying at all. Here's why. I think E-40 has gotten himself to a point. He's vocal about it, and, that, and that's not to say he puts a significant amount of merit into it, but he's vocal about why he may not be in particular conversations, or even if we want to take it a step further, why the region that he's from isn't in particular particular conversations which is the bay area in the bay area people feel that sense of always having their culture kind of taken from them people feel the sense that people take our culture they run with it and they have success with it here's where i think here's why i think e40 needs to retire e40 is at a point financially uh mentally from a business standpoint and flat out just at pure age, I think he's 53 years old or something like that, he's at a point where I feel like his time should be more spent in the younger generation of music. Growing the sport. Growing the sport. Not being a competitor in the sport. And I'm saying growing the sport from an executive type of level. I see what you're saying. And not necessarily from a competitive type of level. E-40 had good songs on his album. E forty had Chris Brown on his album. He had Jeremiah on his album. He had G Easy on his album. Ty Dolla Sign on his album. Yeah. He had he can get whoever he wants the, on the, an album. The who's
0: who? Of I artists. don't. <laughs>
1: I don't think. I don't think E forty necessarily has to prove himself in a way anymore, where yeah. he's going to get all of these dudes on an album. Mm-hmm. I think he was trying to make a particular statement. And like I said, none of this is a reflection of the music. I think a lot of this is a a reflection of where he stands in hip-hop and where his region that he comes from stands in hip-hop and how people feel coming from his region. He feels like my way to connect and get our culture out there is to connect with all of the other bigger artists. But I think if he could do that outside of music and, and, and show it, kind of like what you see with a Jay-Z, how he's collaborating with Meek Mill. Right. How he's, obviously, e 40s no billionaire, but I think on a little bit of a smaller scale, but still a very big scale, E-40 can make those similar kind of moves that's creating a different type of an impact, and that'll ultimately allow this younger, fresher wave to be able to come up and grow the sport and do things the right way where the the sport continues to grow. And now you have people that are somewhat kind of like descendants of you. And it's noticeable because it's like if you're making an album and you got Rick Ross and all of these guys on your album, it's almost like we're peers. Now we're still peers in a way musically, but I don't think E40 has a lot of peers in hip hop anymore, but I think a lot of the artists he had on his album, He's trying to kind of put them on or he's trying to prove a point by having them on his album when I think that he can collaborate with them in different ways. And it will kind of show more of his influence and what he really means to the rap game than just his music. That's why I think E-40 should retire. I just think that he has another level to take it, and I think that everybody has a place. And like I said, this is all opinion-based. I think E-40's place in the hip-hop is not being cemented the way it should be because he's trying to prove through music still, and he's already done that, and he needs to just allow that to be. If he keeps trying to prove it through music, it might hurt some of the music that he's already had out
0: there and proven himself with. Well, you know, um I haven't heard the album. I agree. that I, I think, I agree. Like, I feel what you're saying. You know, E-40 is focusing on music because shit, he just dropped an album not even that long ago. It was a double press. he got 28 songs on an album. And it's like, <laughs> he just keeps going. And, and I think that, I, th- I think what you're kind of saying is that his his... Time, at least as it pertains to his hip hop legacy, and and maybe even to be more successful in the game, would be better spent at like the executive or production level yes. instead of being because of what he's already accomplished but in that. E forty is a legendary spitter in the game and for he's, sure. He's a, he's a hustler, bro. He, Listen, he gets out there and does it. So, but but I'm just gonna say because you can say whatever you want to do, but I am going to reserve my right to say the E forty should hang it up until I hear that album because I haven't heard it, so I can't. I can't speak on it. And that's you know why I want to be very clear that I don't
1: think me making that statement is a reflection of the album. I mm-hmm. think a lot of me making that statement is also being somebody from the Bay Area, grew up in the same city as E-40 grew up in, was raised in that same culture that a lot of these young artists that E-40 is collaborating with grew up in as well. Sure. And so I think it's deeper than just me listening to the album and thinking and just like, that. oh, this is what I've got from I think it's bigger than that. E sure. forty is a guy who shouldn't have to, and I'm not even saying that he's doing it intentionally, yeah. but I think it can be perceived that he wants to show he's still hot and he wants to kind of flex his muscle yeah. by by rapping and making music with all the hot artists today. I don't I think he's past that. I think he's beyond that. I think E forty is can be much more of an influencer now via his business model. Via his resume rather than his work as a rapper, still today, and creating new work. Yeah, I agree. To put emphasis I mean, at on some his point, influence. At
0: some point, like when you're in your 50s, it's like, you know, you got to find a new. <laughs> you got to find it, it's it's
1: like, it, it. And, 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 it's and I'm that, not it, it's like, I get it. He still can on, go on bro. tour and do tours. If it ain't broke, don't fix Shh, it. Man, but I, mean, I just think now know, we're bro. in a different climate. Yep. Where he can dig a little bit deeper than that, yeah. and have amazing amounts of influence, amazing amounts of success, and still be able to make an um, tremendous amount of money, and it just can it just can flow a little bit different differently. Like I said, Jay Z, he's not retired, but you're not just hearing Jay Z. He's doing albums with his wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he right. might do a feature, a crazy ass feature on a Meek Mill record, but. He's, you're not good, it, it, he's exclusive as an artist, so yeah. like I said, even if retiring might be a little bit too harsh of a word, just become a little bit more exclusive. Hmm. Don't make a song with just artists out there, because they're hot artists, yeah. <laughs> like, like no, become yeah. a little
0: bit more exclusive. I, I, I'm down with that. I was actually just indirectly talking about this with my homeboy, Chauncey. Chauncey but yeah, I mean, that's sort of, it, the younger generation has got a lot to say, basically, you know, Poor Day and. Chance and everybody, so go listen to those albums. For sure.
1: <laughs> and we're going <gonna laughs> to close does. it out, folks, with the Take an L segment, so keep it locked. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncy.
0: Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit ThatCast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network.
1: Alright, ladies and gentlemen, last segment of the day. Y'all know what time it is. It is time to talk about who took an L this week. Um, I told Spencer I got to speak to him earlier this week when I knew D Boy wasn't gonna be able to record the podcast with me. And I told Spencer, "Yo, man, I got this segment taking L's. You've been on the podcast before and you've done a taking L before, so you already know what to do with it." So, Spencer, the floor is yours. Who you got taking an L this week? Okay, taking this, or loss
0: this week on taking L segment. I have the person that the, the who took an L this week is. Boxing. Boxing took an L. To so the sport of boxing. The sport of boxing. Um, if I'm sure everyone, most people have heard, I'm a big fight fan myself. Um, and I just wanted to say, to talk a little bit about the late Maxim Dadashev, the boxer who died last Friday from, um, or I guess or, or, uh, later last week, from a fight on last Friday where he sustained um, head injuries. To the point where he lost the fight, and then he went and slipped into a coma, and unfortunately, he passed away um, earlier this week. I, I, the the sport of boxing lost a you know great competitor in Maxim Dadoshev. He was only twenty eight years old, so rest in peace to him. And um, there's a video that uh, surfaced on the internet, <clears throat> excuse me, um, this week of his coach Buddy McGirt in the corner the round before the final round of the fight. Where it's it's just a really, um, I I I suggest to everyone to watch the video because here's Buddy McGirt, just a a really a legend in the in the sport in terms of training, and he's, you know, just begging, um, Maxim to let him stop the fight. Essentially, he's like, please just let me stop the fight, and you know, the the, the guy was like, I you know, I want to keep fighting, which is a, a pretty common response, right. <clears throat> um, but, you know, like the sport of boxing and fighting and, and just even like a lot of competitive sports generally, like we are so much smarter as fans and we have, we have access to so much more more information and the, the level of skill that people have in their respective sports is just way higher, way beyond. And so, you know, with a, a sport like boxing, to, have, to prevent stuff like this from happening – It's going to take the organizations and clearly the trainers, legendary trainers are already like, we know the deal. You're sustaining head injury. We need to prevent this stuff from happening. But it's a responsibility also as boxing fans and and sport fans in general to be like, "We we we have to protect the athletes that provide us the entertainment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Boxing needs to stop fights faster. We need to shorten regulations, uh, you know, uh, lengths of cer- certain seasons. Like we just have to be as fans more, you know, um, uh, just accepting of the fact that people we can't we can't see our our superstars get hurt anymore, right? And our entertainers get hurt anymore because we want to see the the peak of the sport. We're already seeing. that. Yeah. So rest in peace to Maxim, and and that's uh, that's who takes the L this week to me. I hate to to keep it like that, but man, I think Mm -hmm. I I wanted to talk about it. I appreciate letting me.
1: No, I don't mind letting you. And you want it's wow. This is probably the craziest moment that I've ever had on this podcast. Um, I had an L on deck today for somebody, and I'm not even gonna give it to him anymore. And the reason being is you're talking about, you know, a player or a, or a boxer who died within sport. As you were talking about that, I logged onto my Instagram page um, and the first thing that popped up was a young man by the name of Deontay Strickland who played for Portland State University's basketball team, which I talked about just today's on today's podcast. Who passed away. Um the just even now? just right now. Even crazier than that, I literally just saw Deontay Strickland last night. Got to say what's up to him. Like, I <laughs> he was such a fun dude to cover. He was such a fun dude. He could shoot the shit out of it. <laughs> And he was just an all-out good dude. And I don't really have a relationship. This was my first year covering Portland State University basketball this year. And I don't really have... I follow, like, most of the guys that were on the team. But I don't really have a relationship with most of those guys. And it's crazy because I mentioned earlier about my playing days and being able to understand athletes who don't necessarily become friends overnight at least and are necessarily too fond of people that are in the media. And of all of the guys that I followed on Portland state's basketball team this year, Strickland was the one that followed back. And when he followed back, this was, this was either late in the season or just right after the season ended. And when he followed back, I actually, I sent Deontay Strickland a direct message just telling him how fun he was to cover, how good of a player he was. Just, just, I just reached out to
0: him. Bro, this is like blocks away from my house.
1: It just happened just right now. I don't even know the cause of it. I didn't even, I haven't even looked into it. I obviously follow Portland State
0: Vikings Uh, basketball program. It says a standout. This is on the Oregonian. Uh, It says... A standout local athlete died Friday when police say a woman shot three people at a northeast Portland home, killing one. The victim, Deontay Strickland, 22, wow. was a two-sport athlete at Portland State University wow. and former standout at Central Catholic here wow. in Portland. He's he's Where thoroughbred. Portland Strick City. He's a Portlander.
1: The, he Strick City. Look, he had, on his senior night. His last name is Strickland. On his senior night, his that happened, shirt that happened literally at two p.m. today
0: it, by my house. That's
1: what I'm saying. I'm just seeing this. Spencer. Whoa, 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 whoa! This is kind of the craziest shit that's ever happened on this podcast because I literally whoa, saw hold him on. last Damien, night. Hold on, hold on.
0: Damien Strickland, who said he was an uncle to the victim, told the Oregonian, Oregon Live, that his niece, Tamina Strickland, shot and killed her brother, Deontay Strickland. He said Deontay's wow. aunt and grandmother, both named Shirley, were also shot, one in the knee and in the back and are at the hospital. <clears throat> Damien Strickland wow. said his mother, the elder Shirley, was shot nine times, all in the pelvic and hip area. Doctors wow. say she is expected to survive. There was also a four-year-old child present but was uninjured. Um, Damien Strickland said he was told Deontay's last words were, my sister shot me, and I don't want to die. Wow. I just saw him last
1: night, Spencer. Literally last night. And we spoke. I've saw him several times since the season has ended. And every time that I've seen him, because of our interaction via social media, and obviously he sees me post my clips or whatever at Portland State, and hell, he was a part of some of those highlights if y'all want to go and watch. Phenomenal player. Hell of a shooter. Super fun to cover. He was the player on that team that I had a connection with. Obviously, we ain't the best of friends. I just met him this year covering him. But it was always love. It was always respect, even as recent as last night. So with that being said, I'ma just end the podcast on that note. Rest in peace to Deontay Strickland. Um, I will never forget. I truly mean this from the bottom of my heart. I don't know how long I'll be covering ball the way that I do. I don't know how long my media career is going to last. Hell, we don't even know (laughs) when we're going to take our last breath. But as long as I'm alive, I will forever, forever remember and cherish the memories that you have given me as a sports broadcaster and just flat out All I can say is nothing but good about you because the times that I've seen you, even outside of the basketball gym, you were nothing but a good dude. You you were respectful. You always had a smile on your face. You said what's up, shook hands, dapped up, hugged. You showed nothing but love. You didn't have to do that. I understand that too. Like I said, I called myself out on it literally on this podcast before I even saw that post. So that for me is going to forever be remembered and held in my heart. And I'll try to be the same way, bro. Rest in peace, man. Rest in peace.